That's the sound of a pair of former Transnet diesel-electric locomotives. The two 95-ton locomotives now belong to Traction, a locomotive hire and rail services company based in Pretoria. For 33 years, Traction has supplied locomotives and crews and rail expertise to a wide range of industries, from gold mines to timber mills and to state railways in Mozambique and Tanzania and elsewhere. But for a long time, what Traction has really wanted to do is run trains on Transnet's vast core network. And for a long time, Transnet has rebuffed all overtures from private freight rail operators. Now that dream may be coming to pass. Last week in Parliament, President Cyril Ramaphosa said third-party operators would be given access to the state rail network within a year. I spoke to Traction Chief Executive Jamie Holly about how this dream has unfolded. Amy, okay, so I've just read the press release. Um, that's really exciting stuff, a real turnaround. Let's start with a kind of a crystal ball story. It's been so long coming. Are you confident that the government will stick to this time round? Well, you know, Paul, if you, if you look back, okay, so, so the, the draft white paper international rail policy came out uh, at the end of 2017. Okay, and the draft draft white paper is, um, uh, as you know, is, is calling for open access on the freight network. Okay, then uh, um, National Treasury, in their inclusive growth document that they released last year, in sort of around September, was also calling for third-party access to the core network. And now, government's reconstruction and recovery plan, Parliament's, you know, reconstruction and recovery plan, has also now called for it. Yeah. Okay. So it's not, this is not something that's sort of come out of the blue. Um, it's, it's something that's been on the government's agenda now for, for more than three years. So I really genuinely believe that it will be something that um, comes to being. The other thing that we sort of are really positive about is that, you know, because Transnet owned the infrastructure, okay, and because Transnet has the rail safety regulator permit, um, over their infrastructure, okay? Our understanding of this, having engaged with all of, with the relevant stakeholders, including the Railroad Association, is that Transnet is completely within their rights to sign access agreements to operate under the terms of their permit and according to their rules and regulations. Immediately, they, they don't require a change in government regulation, they don't require any new rules to be, any new laws to be gazetted or anything of that nature. Um, so, so it is something that can be implemented in the short term. That is fantastic. Have you had any overtures or any uh, kind of indications from Transnet about how this will play out? No. You know, we, we engaged, um, as the Railroad Association, we, we, haven't, we did engage Transnet on this um, a couple of months ago. And, and Transnet's response at that time was relatively cautious. Now that we're in this position, in a COVID world, where government is looking to structural reform to really stimulate the economy, and we're unlocking this incredible um, infrastructure heritage that we have in South Africa really is, you know, sort of serious low-hanging fruit in terms of enhancing the competitiveness of, our, of, of the South African economy. Against that context, you know, I, I do think that that engagement with Transnet on this will now be accelerated. 
And, you know, I think it needs to be an industry discussion that happens. It needs to be a common approach to various operators and not just ourselves. But I do think that now is the time um, for industry um, to engage Transnet through um, an organization like the Railroad Association, which represents uh, industry in general and is further endorsed by government and funded and partially funded by um, the DTI. Jamie, in terms of of operations, I mean, have you got any specific routes or commodities or business earmarked that you'd like to get involved in? Look, I, I think, Paul, the, 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 um, the first point is that, that and, and, you know, to, to our mind, and this is obviously traction talking, we see this as an opportunity to bring new freight to the railways, okay? We, we are not in any way looking to start competing with the existing freight flows that Transnet is moving. And, um, you know, Transnet services the bulk markets, the bulk commodity markets in South Africa, really comprehensively, as an example. And we've got no interest in entering into those sectors. We see the opportunity um, to improve, to increase the rail capacity on general freight in South Africa. And, and that's your intercity market which is a, a really big freight market at, at, you know, sort of circa 195 million tons. That, that intercity market in South Africa is a big freight market. And, and that's really what we would look, uh, that, that is what we're looking uh, to target in the future once this um, has been rolled out. And so your main competitor then is not going to be other operators or Transnet, but trucks. Yes, I think, I, I think, you know, given that everything we'll be looking to do will be a road-to-rail conversion. And, you know, I would also like to think, and, and we sincerely believe it, you know, I mean, it's, that's everything that we live in the company, is that, that this would also be a, a real stimulus for general economic growth. So we really will also be targeting new volumes that additional rail capacity will unlock in the South African economy. So it would be both a, a road-to-rail conversion as well as, as targeting new volumes that would come on stream as a consequence of us being able to provide additional capacity on the rail network in South Africa. What are the main challenges for you? I mean, you obviously Traction is a, is a well-seasoned operator, but a lot of the work has been short-haul, I mean, in terms of servicing mines and industry. What challenges do you foresee getting onto the core network? You know, Paul, in order for this to work, um, the slots on the network need to be provided on an equitable basis. And given that Transnet is the infrastructure owner as well as an operator, we could sort of believe that there, or there could be a perception that there would be an issue there. However, you know, we operate in Africa and we have for a number of years operated on, on systems in Africa under exactly the same basis, okay? And it's a system that, that practically really works. The allocation of slots onto the system is something that can be made transparent very easily. And so our ability to monitor when slots in our African operations aren't being provided on an equitable basis, it's very easy for us to establish that that's happening. And then it's a process of engagement. And, and you know, remember also, Paul, in South Africa, this would be done under the context of some very strong regulation. Okay. You know, firstly, we have competition regulation in South Africa. And secondly, we've got the advent of the single transport economic regulator, which is also coming in. And then, of course, you know, the access agreements that we would sign with Transnet 
obviously would need to include these sort of protections. So, you know, we'll have contractual protections and regulatory protections. So I, I really don't see that as an issue. I, I'm not sort of naive to the fact, and, and we find this in Africa all the time, that to start with, there will be some um, teething issues uh, as we bed the, the operations down. But, you know, that is something that we typically work through within a, a couple of months. I, I really have very uh, limited concerns as to the practical success that we'll find in this operation and, and, um, as we roll it out. Can you perhaps just uh, briefly talk about your operations elsewhere in Africa on state or, you know, on freight railways as opposed to servicing mines and what the experience has been like in dealing with, you know, government railway, well, government run railways? So we've, um, we've been an investor in, um, in a company in a joint venture called Calabash, which has an access right on the Tazara network. If you look at the success of Talabash over the last two years, um, the, the Tazara board put some, some stats out on that after their September board meeting. You'll see that the Calabash volumes um, that have come onto that network have almost doubled the freight movements on Tazara within the space of two years. So, you know, that shows a huge impact from, from then signing on Calabash as an operator under access. And that's really something that, you know, we embrace is they've said, they've directed, the Tozara board has directed the Tozara management to go and sign up other companies to take access rights on that network. And, you know, that is the model that most of the rest of the world has followed. You know, if you look at the big rail markets of, of Australia, Europe, the, United, um, the US and the UK, they've followed this model that the South African government is moving towards. And we think it's exactly the way that it should go. And then if you look outside of that, outside of Tazara and other jurisdictions in, in Africa, this is more and more widely becoming accepted as the way that these operations should happen. Tanzania is working on their open access regulation for the, the lines that service the Great Lakes. Uh, Mozambique has had this regulation uh, and, and this um, approach in place for a number of years now. And the DRC has operators operating under access. So, you know, more and more widely, this is coming, uh, the Zambian parliament has also approved open access. So more and more widely, this is regionally how the railways are going to be operating. So for South Africa to have this, and for the interconnectivity and inter-trade as, as SADC, this is obviously um, also something that's really, really positive. I was particularly interested to see that you'll be building locomotives as well. What kind of locos are we talking about? And then if you could talk about the wagons as well. I mean, what sort of, what sort of wagons are going to be built? So, you know, Paul, his, historically, General Electric and Progress Rail or EMD have been recognized as the, the sort of benchmark of quality of diesel locomotives. Our fleet is sort of pretty much uh, split 50-50 between GE and EMD. So, so, you know, those would be the sort of natural companies that one would look at. There are some uh, European operators now, like Stadler, for example, that are also manufacturing really high-quality diesel locomotives. Mm -hmm. so, so we would look to partner with one of the big blue-chip um, diesel locomotive manufacturers. We obviously have a big workshop complex in Roslyn and Pretoria, okay? And we have absolutely no intention of assembling those locomotives ourselves. You know, that's not our business at all. We think that there are companies in South Africa that have outstanding credentials in, in assembling locomotives. And, and we would do our absolute best to work with the, the blue chip OEMs to, to ensure that those locomotives are assembled domestically. At the end of the day, what, what we're targeting is efficiency in, in every sense. 
and, and price efficiency on those locomotives. And the local assembly would also need to be done in a manner that is still price efficient. Uh, we do have a lot of confidence in the rail, the, the, the domestic rail sector and its ability to, to work with the, the blue chip OEMs to assemble the, the locomotives here. In terms of the wagons, there, there are uh, um, South African wagon manufacturers that have very strong IP and, and have been doing this for a long time. So, you know, um, Transit Engineering, Global and Gallison all are, are companies that we would be thrilled to work with. Jamie, just to talk a little bit more about the operations here. Obviously, there's no limitation on, on what work you do. You would do long haul, short haul. Um, can you perhaps enlarge on that a bit? Um, Paul, we're going to look to, to partner with the, the, the big freight movers in South Africa. We have absolutely no intention of ever investing into any sort of port operations, any sort of ICDs, any warehousing, consolidation hubs, etc. Again, we think that there are businesses in South Africa that are brilliant at doing that. And we think that there are a number of, of facilities, freight consolidation hubs in South Africa with, with good rail connectivity. What we are going to do is we will partner with those companies. And their obligation will be to turn our trains around within a very short period of time on arrival at those facilities. And their obligation will be to fill those trains. Our obligation will be to make sure that those trains move in an efficient and reliable manner between um, freight consolidation hubs. We would be looking to, to target container freight, agri-products, uh, reefer products, has-chems, all of those sort of products where existing rail market share is very low. Last thoughts before I let you go to your next management meeting? You know, the, the, the overriding point for me that comes out of this policy shift is it's a very rare win-win for government. There is zero privatization that is required in order to roll this out. There is no changes in regulation that are required that we're aware of to roll this out. Transnet will benefit enormously by through the new access fees that they are released to earn in the latent capacity that exists in this enormous network that we have in South Africa. This is also a huge stimulus for the rail industry itself to get back on, on, on its feet. So, you know, we just see so many wins out of this and it's low-hanging fruit and it's something that can happen quickly. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And there you have it. You've been listening to Paul Ash, senior reporter at the Sunday Times.